I think she's just using it like that, but it's really her voice that she's like, you will not remember what's happening. I'm mesmerizing you with my hotness. And he's like, okay. Welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide, Disco Citizens, the podcast where gore hounds and best friends, Terry Gamble and Julia Marchesi, break down a different horror movie each week, exploring a multitude of genres, subgenres, and sub-subgenres, classic and cult, international and underground flicks alike, determining which films are the goriest, and offering up Horror Movie Survival Guide tips to, to help, help you stay alive. Welcome to Horror Movie Survivor Guide. Welcome, I want to suck your blood. Yes, Julia. <laughs> yes, Terry. Let's talk about 1936's Dracula's Daughter. Title of this episode is Your Life for Hers. Tagline for this movie, she's weird, she's exotic, she's hypnotic. See, that's what I'm talking about. That's what it's kind of, I want you to oversell your stuff to me, please into it she is and she's all of that and she's hot she's glamour glamour gloria holden glamour so -hmm. this was written okay this is this gonna be a lot of people here so it's based on a work by bram stoker we also these are all the people we got listed on here for writing credits we got garrett ford john l bardenson david selznick charles belden finley peter dunn kurt newman and rc sheriff and this movie was directed by lambert hillier so this i think this is the only time i think i've ever seen a credit of suggested by i don't even know what that means it's like somebody was like hey i think you should do this movie and they were like okay and he's like i want a credit is that what that is i guess so right like he was like you should do this next project and so maybe he had the big idea i don't know I don't know. I love it. I love it. I need to delve further. So this Mm -hmm. was actually the last horror film that was produced under the uh, direction of Carl Lemley when he was overseeing the studio. And in a Karate Kid part two fashion ends, picks up exactly where the first movie ends. So right after Dracula ends, this movie picks up. So it's like Renfield has fallen down the stairs. His body is still laying there when the police come in. So it's I, I love that when movies do that. I think that's really, really fun. We're like, okay, here we go. You want a sequel? Let's go. Right on, right on, right on. And so it's, yeah, and, and it's, all get the most wonderful little Scotland Yard guys bumbling through. Oh my God, these cops. <laughs> I know I'm going to say this a lot during this episode, but nothing drives me more crazy when they try to put in the like, Com- comedy cop duo into a horror movie. I mean, this is like Last House of the Left type of stuff where you just go, please, please stop. I hate them. I don't care about them. Make it stop. <sighs> but just I just kidding. love because it just shows how inept these guys are going to be. Do you know what I mean? Though it's like these are not guys that are adept at dealing with forces outside of their realm, right? They Everything is cut and dry, meat and potatoes. They do not understand that there is like a whole other like spiritual world, um, that there are monsters, that, you know, Professor Van Helsing gets to be the expert next to these guys. But he looks crazy because he's not thinking about things in such a square way. And so... Um, these bumbling, bumbling guys under the under the um, under Sir Basil Humphrey's guidance. Yes. So they, of course, as we know, Renfield, no wonderful reward for Renfield, which is always very sad. But they come in and find Van Helsing, who has just staked Dracula to death through the heart. And is like, yeah, I just uh, I staked I just staked him through the heart in there. I did it. But he was a vampire. So I had to do it. And and he's been dead for 500 years, so I haven't actually killed him. He's actually technically dead, but he was uh, running around murdering people. So I got, I got, I did you a favor. 
the idea of this movie of taking Van Helsing and actually making him have to go to the police and explain and like go to trial and explain what was happening. I think that's really interesting. I think that's something that a horror movie is kind of skirt around is the aftermath of what happens after this that happened. You're like, oh, if you get caught red handed, you're like, oh, but I did it. I'm telling you, I did it. This is why you're still going to be in an institution for the rest of your life. Right. And like, this yeah, is like, it no, sounds no, preposterous. Yeah, it sounds absolutely preposterous. I do wonder about that too, like the cleanup, the cleanup after horror movies, right? It's mm-hmm. like what what happens now when you tell somebody that I just murdered all these people because they were coming after me and they were actually already dead. Yes. Right, because uh, he says brilliant. the strength of the vampire lies in the fact that he is unbelievable. And I performed a service to humanity because he did. He was saving people, but he can't prove it. So the, the his friends who are lawyers are like, eh, death sentence or institution, man. Like, that's what you're looking at for this. This is not a way. You, and I, for part of me, if I was in Van Helsing's shoes, would to just be flee. Just be like, okay, bye, <laughs> leave. Right. But he wants people to understand the service that he has provided. So I think that's part of it. And also he's just like, yeah, I, you know, if they do catch him, he, they will send him directly to the gallows. He needs to like have himself proven or he needs to have somebody vouch for him. So he's like, why don't we call my friend, Dr. Jeffrey Garth, and he can help with the situation, you know, and, and he'll, he'll clear it up for you, Sir Basil. And Basil's like, yeah, no, probably not. Um, but so in the meantime, have- mm-hmm. We have the wacky cops, uh, yep. and they are he's watching over the bodies of, of Renfield and Dracula to make sure that everything is ship shape before they can take them to the morgue. Uh, there was, and the elder cap gives the younger cop a gun. And I went, Hang on a second, this movie's in England, they mm-hmm. wouldn't have guns. But then I looked back, and there was like brief time where they did, and then they took mm-hmm. them away, and then they brought them back. Like, there's like a back and forth going on, so. Little did you know that Dracula's daughter would teach you about the gun laws in England for law officers. Absolutely. And so these little constables, little jailers are, you know, kind of a little bumbling, but one of them, you know, is like, well, I should go to the train to go greet, you know, um, you know, the the captain that's coming in to actually, you know, sign off on this and send the bodies. Um, and so, but they're fighting with each other. Who's going to go greet, greet the, you know, the captain at the, at the station. And they're like, no, 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 we're, it'll be fine. And so, Albert, who's left, he's with the gun and he's terrified and he's hearing noises and it sounds like rat scratches. And as you know, if you are a vampire, uh, the rats are going to come help you because they are your minions. And so some things are going um, awry while he's waiting there. Um, The door opens all of a sudden on its own to the jail and a beautiful woman who's cloaked all in black, face covered, comes in and starts talking to Albert and she hypnotizes him to go see the bodies. Yes, she has beautiful eyes, and that's all we see of her at first. This is Gloria Holden playing Countess Maria Zaleska, who is, as as the tagline would say, as exotic and hypnotic. She's working it. You believe she has some powers. But she has a magical ring that was giving her powers, which is interesting because Dracula doesn't have a ring, right? It's just like his mental powers. Mm -hmm. He chooses his eyes. She has to use the ring as well. Is it just like a pumping it up the notch? I think it's just using it like how we find later with the hypnosis machine that it has the little light reflector. I think she's just using the reflector as an added thing. It's like when you do, we know some people do the little like watch or whatever in front of people. I think she's just using it like that. But it's really her voice that she's like, you will not remember what's happening. I'm mesmerizing you with my hotness. And he's like, okay. And so he lets her back there. Um, but when the constable returns and the, and the guy he brings in from Scotland Yard returns, um, there is a body, a missing. Mm-hmm. 
So we find that she has taken the body and she is burning it and saying that she had, he had a spell over her and now she is free. So she has her Renfield. She has a Renfield as well. Yeah. Uh, Sandor. Sandor, who is quite possibly the meanest Renfield I've ever seen. I, I like immediately he seemed uh, like he was being doing her bidding, but kind of hesitantly with a with a level of anger underneath well he wants to be you know rewarded as well and he's thinking that she's trying to break the curse because she does not understand the gift of eternal life i think he's upset right because she wants to be free of this and so she thinks by doing this ritual burning and and setting him on fire that she's going to be somehow be set free from being a vampire anymore but it does not seem to be the case she still seems to be very stuck but she thinks like, I'm going to be, you know, be able to be able to walk the day again and have this whole life. And he's like, no, but we, you promised me the dark. You promised me that you would turn me. So uh, you get the tension is really, mm-hmm. I think that. And so um, she thinks that she's changing. They head back to her, to her place after she's done this ritual burning of him. And she lives above this little Brooks bookshop. And so, and she's like, I feel it the day I, I, she's trying to play piano. And he's like, no, no, no. You still look like your night. That music sounds like, you know, death music. You are still of the death. You're still of the night. But she's fighting with him about this. Yes. So she uh, she says she says he sees death in her eyes. Mm-hmm. So we now have uh, the, a surgery theater where they are trying to figure out the cause of death of someone who uh, like they have. Um, those those theaters are creepy, aren't they? Yeah, fully. Do they still fully, have yeah. those? Um, I'm sure. Yeah, they still have. I think like they don't look like that. But yeah, I, I feel like that's still. I feel like I still saw something like Grey's Anatomy. Like they have like you know the teaching spaces or whatever where people can look in, um, that are learning. Like if you're in a teaching hospital, um, as well for sure. So um, you know they just dis- they decide that the man you know there's something happened to him. They're not sure they had given him transfusions, but he still died. And um, there's something about a couple little like marks on his neck, and they're not quite sure. Look like bug bites maybe. We know, though, you know, vampire lore. It's got to be some vamp that got that got this guy. Um, when we bring Jeffrey meets up with Van Helsing at this point, too, and um, he's trying to convince him, like, hey, like, I need you to help prove my innocence. And he's like, I can't. Like, this is not scientific. He's like, well, the superstitions of yesterday become the science of tomorrow. Like, what you do now as a psychiatrist was not respected 100 years ago. People thought it was some sort of witchcraft. And now it's a hard science. So you need to help me show these people that what I've done is actually scientific and I need you to help like with the burden of proof. Meanwhile, we have a fancy party, which um, with the countess arrives at, I would, I love the fact that Hedda Hopper is in this movie. Just chilling as a beautiful party hostess right on. I don't know who's like wheel she greased to get in this movie, but I highly appreciate it. And the gossip she must've gotten just being on the lot for this uh, indispensable. It's pretty great. And so the guests, of course, are all kind of transfixed, except one of them. Um, there's Janet, who is uh, uh, the secretary of Dr. Garth, who is not as entranced by this woman because um, she feels, I think, a threat by seeing this gorgeous woman walk into the room um, who's vying for his attention. But everyone is just taken with the countess. She is lovely. And when she comes in a room, it is disarming. You get it. You get how people could fall underneath her spell. It's pretty, pretty hot. If you're a vampire, you got all the vibes in the world, right? You turn those on the second you walk in the room and you're going to light that room up. And that's always kind of the point. 
but she, you know, she, the, the vampire case, as they're calling it, has already hit the news and is party gossip already. And so they start talking about vampires and about how you can't see the reflection in mirrors. So they're just laying that in there for you, just mm-hmm. in case you forgot. Uh, always good to lay down the vampire rules because they're different in every movie. Mm-hmm. And um, then, so we have Janet, who is the, supposed to be the plucky uh, secretary who has a yearning thing for her boss. And she just an- annoys me. Did she annoy you? Yeah, like she's pretty annoying the whole time because we're we're... Where Countess is smooth and, you know, just like composed, Janet's a hot freaking mess. And she's just, you know, not really delightful, which is just kind of a miss, I think, in this. Right. And I can't tell if it's the script or the actress or what the problem is. But this character that I think I was supposed to like, I really don't like at all. And then she's also acting in Childish. She prank calls the doctor. I'm like, what are you what are you doing? How old are you? Well, yeah. Well, because she knows she's out visiting the countess and she prank calls out the countess's place where he's visiting and on the countess had implored him to come over to visit her because she had an issue. And so she was calling for help. So he's ostensibly on a work call. You know what I mean, though? That may look mildly social, but also it's definitely a work call because she actually seemed to be concerned about something um, that she wanted to discuss with him. Well, she obviously can't meet during the daytime. So she asks if he can come over to her house at night. And uh, she said she desperately needs her help. And she said, could you conceive of a superhuman mentality influencing someone from the other side of death? So her problem is she, you know, that she feels that she thought that she would be free after she burned Dracula's body. But now she feels like his soul is hanging on to torment her even now. And she doesn't know how to break free, even though she's trying really hard. Yeah. And so um, he gets another phone call and he thinks it's Janet crank calling again, but it's not. It's Dr. Beamish calling from St. Mary's Hospital um, and that he's saying that there's another um, problem with one of the one of his patients who's come in. And so he um, is implored to go help with his patient. Um, And so um, he has to rush out, but um, he promises, you know, the countess that I'll see you tomorrow. You know, we can, we'll we'll, we'll still figure this out. And she has put a lot of her faith in this doctor and Sandor is not happy about this at all. No, but the doctor's advice had been, you know, she says she has these urges that she can't fight off and he's okay. Here's your, your goal, your your mission is to meet them head on to go and find these things and, and, and stop doing them. So Sandra goes out to look for a model for a painting that she wants to do. Uh, we haven't mentioned Terry. Uh, we should have off the top, but here we are. This is part of our second round of lesbian vampire movies. Uh, so this is uh, where we start getting into that lesbian territory right here, my friend. And, and this is an amazing sequence because Sandor, who we have to admit is a pretty scary looking guy. Hopefully. And he approaches her on the bridge to start to give her a little like, hey, why don't you come back to the model? So I'm not clear if uh, Lily, who's played by Nan Gray, who is beautiful, is she a prostitute? Or is she was just legit hanging on that bridge? I thought she was about to go kill herself is what it looked like. I thought she was going to go. And I think that he was like, well, if she's already like in this lady's, you know, the countess's ethics of of murder um, of who bodies are going to take. I thought that he was basically being like, instead of you trying to go jump off the bridge and, you know, kill yourself right now, why don't you just step back? You know, if you're feeling desperate, we have a warm place for you. You can come work tonight, make some money. It's not the end of the world. Like, stop this desperate move. That's what I gathered from that moment. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so she gets I lured have- back into the lair by a warm fire and some, you know, 
and some uh, Sammies. You know, they're like, we have food, we have wine, come back and eat and you can do a little bit of work and make some money tonight. So she she goes back and she asks her to take her blouse off. So she starts getting undressed and it's that look. The look that the Countess is giving her is one of two things, right? We have the woman to woman lust of of beauty and the also you are delicious and I actually want to eat you as well. So it's like lust of two different things. But she's also like warming her up and fattening her up. And like, she's like, I need your blood to be perfect right now. So can you drink some of this wine? It's going to be delicious. Can you eat this sandwich? It's going to be great. Can you stand by the fire and warm up your body a little bit more? Because you are cold from being outside. It's she's like, it's I don't know. It's like the warmer, the better to see you, my dear, you know, kind of a moment where I'm just like, okay, she's got her in your her clutches. Um, and so they they do make it clear enough that, you know, when we were looking up lesbian vampire movies to, to cover, they do make it clear enough that this was. Uh, as clear in the 30s as and to make this quite scandalous yeah she, you know she chose a woman for her model and not a male and then is asking her to get undressed and you see her just in her slip and this mm-hmm. kind of you know but it, it, but but still so so uppity about blood like we don't see any in this movie we don't even see the bite marks so devastating absolutely devastating devastating, devastating. <laughs> I wanted to see a little bit more more blood please bite marks my bloodlust, my bark marks. We already have bark marks, man. You can listen to that episode. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Oh God! <laughs> wow. Yeah, so anyway, listen so- to our bite marks episode. It's a humdinger. <laughs> what a film! It's a film. Okay, so um, Lily, you know, basically freaks out. She screams as she gets attacked after she's like hypnotized by the countess, um, and she. Um, ends up being taken to the hospital and she's they think she has amnesia she's lost a bunch of blood and she goes through a couple of transfusions but they're not sure what's happened to her but she has a couple of punctures near her jugular vein and um Dr. Garth is brought in to go look at her and she he realizes she's underneath post-hypnosis. So she's been hypnotized. Um, that's why she's having a trouble seeing what's going on. And he um, decides he's going to help, but he needs to go back and get his hypnotizing machine that he has shown to uh, the Countess. Uh, yes, but it has mirrors. And so she says that she won't do it. And they had you know, noticed earlier there was no mirrors in her house. No mirrors involved. And now... She's like, okay, here's the plan. You and me going to the continent tonight. Here we go. And he's like, uh, no, what are you talking like, about? Why am I leaving London? I love London. Why would I leave my town, my family and my practice? Like, no. And she's like, no, I need you to come with me. I'm ready to flee tonight. You need to come with me. And he's like, no, I don't, I, I can't do that. So, so, uh, and, and, but she says that she needs, needs him to save her soul. Uh, and then, you know, Janet sweeps in and interested in both of us. Uh, so she ends up kidnapping Janet cause he knows that she's going to come after, he's going to come after her. Uh, we use the hypnosis machine on Lily. Uh, she freaks out a little bit and then she dies. Yeah, but not after, but before, before that, she tells them, you know, tries to tell them a little what she can tell. So they figure out exactly where um, the Countess's, like, painting studio layer is um, above that bookstore. And so she's able to give them at least enough of that information. And oh, Van Lily, Helsing... Do they, ha- do they have to kill her? No, but I think they just wanted to move on with the story. <laughs> they did not have to kill her. But if if we if she was dangling around, we would be worried that she might come back and become a vampire, though, too, right? Oh, uh, right, right. I think right. is I think is the issue. So right, uh, that's not something that they address in this story, no. right? Because that's always one of the different rules. And I assume here she really did just mean to kill her, and it went wrong. 
Yeah. Um, and so, um, you know, they're looking for all the telltale things like the box of earth, the mirrors that she would have. And so all the things that would happen um, are, are, are there. She is definitely a vampire. And then this lady confirms it. Um, so, yeah. So, so she uh, they go to, to Jeff, they find uh, the apartment, but she is gone because she has kidnapped Janet and taking her to Transylvania, an unexpected finale in transylvania i didn't see this coming i was like oh okay and <laughs> the transylvania let's do it why not and then of course we we can just to the magic of editing skip ahead of however long that journey took right oh yeah we're just going to go to the other part of our downstage and mm -hmm. uh make that part transylvania and so we've got like I, which i love <laughs> Can I point out um, something that, and this is what we do on the show is talk about the, the details and no notices. She has locks on the outside of her coffin. Why would you have that? Why would you, that means someone can lock you in your coffin anytime they want. Locks on the inside of the coffin, I understand. But the outside, I was like, no, no, that's a terrible idea, lady. What are you doing? Don't she do must that. really trust Sandor a lot, right? I guess with her well-being, her rent build, she trusts implicitly. Um, is my guess. So maybe that was her bad. Maybe that's just a design issue or maybe that's just how it came. Who I don't knows? know. I guess I, I thought that it would come into play later because it seemed really obvious to me. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, she'll get it locked in here later, but then she doesn't. So I don't know. But this no. is her deal to the doctor. You can have uh, his life in exchange for her life. So if you you can either become my husband, my Dracula vampire husband, and we'll live together. My forever lover. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so and uh, Sandor is pissed because he's like, wait, what? That was my promise. You were supposed to make me your forever, and now I'm getting nothing. No, I don't like this. So, so amazing. Mm -hmm. She's about to turn Jeffrey when Sandor fucking arrows her through the heart and kills her. And I was like, fuck yeah. I've never seen a Renfield take fucking revenge on the vampire. Be like, no, you promised me this, you don't give it to me. Fuck you. And I was you don't like, get, no one yes. gets it. If I don't get it, no one gets it. Yep. Yes, Renfield taken charge into it. Loved it. But and he also was about me. Yeah, it is it's very surprising, but he also was about to shoot Jeffrey as well because he was like kill both the lovers basically and he's and and uh he gets shot though cuz finally the uh, Scotland Yard guys um Ben Helsing and the crew catch up to uh to them at the castle after going through the town. Um and they're able to stop her and Sandor. Um but they, one of the guys who is, you know, one of the henchmen, one of the police guys basically like sees her and they're like, oh, she's so beautiful though. And they're like, yes, she was beautiful then when she died a hundred years ago as well as now. Yeah. So uh, hard ending if you just end on the, her dead face, eyes staring into nothingness. Hardcore. I like it. So this is this movie. Uh, let's talk about some gore. It, it, this will be an interesting one. Absolutely. So gore factor, not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup, two, a puddle of blood, three, enough blood to gross out the average viewer, four, a bathtub of blood, five, run for the barf bag. Y'all, this is a zero. There's no freaking blood in this movie. Um, not even an ounce for us little gore hound kids just wanting a little drop of blood just a little drop no. please no nope. but this is the thing is like it, this always pains me when you get to the early 30s uh when the haze code took over because before the haze code this movie could have been raunchy as fuck this movie could have showed all the blood all the ladies all the stuff and then you get to here and like oh we can't even show you bite marks i'm like oh haze so chaste so chaste 
so sad. I, I imagine a world in my head of where the Hays Code never existed. And we just like went on like the craziest, craziest. Everything, everywhere, all at once. The alternate universe. It's there. It's, it's there. Yeah. Okay. Movie ratings. We got uh, one chainsaw. If you're desperate Two, barely qualifies as a horror film. Three seen worse, seen better Four, not too shabby and five fantastical. I give this movie a five. I think it's cool. It, I love the real world take on the vampire stuff where they're actually talking about going through the law and what would you do in this situation? I think it's really cool. We got a super hot hypnotic vampire who is really trying to get better and enlisting psychiatrists who are who are disappointing her at every turn. Absolutely. I also give this film a five. Yeah, because same thing. Like she's really earnest of trying to change her life, um, her undead life and wants to, you know, be redeemed and wants to, you know, walk amongst people again. She wants to feel the daylight again. But there's just no hope. And it's just unfortunate and just beautifully tragic um, that she's like, okay, well, if I can't join that side, then maybe someone can join my side, you know, and I'll have a companion. And that's he's just not about it. It's so sad. So beautiful, uh, tragic, gorgeous. All my love, all my love goes to Sandor. Right on. Finally, a Renfield standing up for their right and saying, "You, you promised me this. God damn it! <laughs> I like that it. you would turn me." And yes. like, no. uh, so I, you know, I don't know which direction the uh, the Renfield film that's coming out with Nicholas Cage is going to take, but I know I'm happy that Renfield's getting a little light in the sun because they finally deserve it. You know that Terry and I love us a good Renfield. So if you would like to talk to us about Dracula's Daughter, if there's any other uh, classic horror movies you'd love us to cover, please let us know. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We are very friendly. We are very talkative. We will talk to you about any sort of horror nonsense you like. Uh, And if you do would like to give us a uh, review or a rating on any sort of device, platform you listen on, we would also appreciate that. Yeah, and you can toss a coin to your witchers here if you'd like as well um, through our Patreon um, at Horror Movie Survival Guide or um, get some merch at our Teespring store. We love you so much. Have a wonderful week. And we'll talk to you more about more lesbian vampires next week. Lesbian vampires, more lesbian vampires. Vampires. We just wrote that. That's a great song. We need to add that, like auto-tune that and like throw that over like a beat. Yeah. Done. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Horror Movie Survival Guide is independently produced by Terry Gamble, Julia Marchesi, and Sierra Rhine. Hey, that's me. If you would like to support the show, find us on patreon.com slash horrormoviesurvivalguide.